Okay, forgiveness. Now, this is probably one of the most difficult topics for us to understand and practice in our Christian faith, or as we go about trying to follow Jesus on a daily basis. And we, we get that because forgiveness is raw. It's something that hits home for each of us. But think about this. If, um, if we don't deal with forgiveness, there's no grace. I mean, if we're unwilling to um, look to forgiveness, we can't experience God's presence and the work that he wants to do in our lives. You see, forgiveness is essential to understanding God's uh, you know, love, the kind of relationship he wants to have with us, and the kind of life that he wants us to live. Because we're here, we're in this place, we want things to be different. We want to grow closer to God. We want to understand God better. And so if we're going to have a better picture of what our life should look like, if our faith is going to have a higher resolution to it, we've got to deal with forgiveness. And ultimately, that means we need to receive forgiveness from God, and we need to give it away. We have to receive it, and we have to give it away. Yet that is incredibly hard, because it's not natural to us, is it? We're human beings, and that is not natural. Now, why is that? Why do we struggle so much? Now, I'll pull this, this over as we get started, too. Well, we like to win as human beings, right? We don't like to lose. And when we think of forgiveness, we've got to lose if we're going to forgive. We like to win. And we learn that very early in life. I mean, just watch a couple of toddlers playing together. Let's call them Joey and Sarah. If Joey takes Sarah's toy, what do you think Sarah is going to babble to him? Oh, it's no big deal. I forgive you. You can have the toy. No. Sarah, what's she going to do? She's going to hit Joey, and she's going to take the toy back and say, mine. Right? We, forgiveness for us is not natural because we like to win. And we experience this in so many different ways, just on a daily basis. In my house, um, you know, there's, everybody wants to win. I mean, even down to some of our most simple jobs in the house. I mean, I, this, is, this is something that I, it sounds, I sound like a broken record, talking to my kids about, hey, all of us have roles to play in the house. We all have jobs to do. That's what a family does. And so uh, we put a board that kind of divvies up some of the responsibilities on a weekly basis. And they had their days. And one of their jobs was cleaning the kitchen after dinner. But what we found was, I mean, it was there was just an outbreak every night over who was going to clean the kitchen. And we're like, what does it say on the board? And that didn't matter at all what was on the board because it's like, well, he wasn't here last week, so he didn't do it yesterday. It's not my turn. It's not fair, blah, 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 blah. And there's a huge chaotic argument over cleaning the dishes and putting them in the dishwasher, right? And there's all kinds of things like cleaning the house, arguments, battles. Why? Because people want to win. Now, another one is what do we watch on the television? Now, whoever has the remote is the winner, right? And so typically when I come and there's any kind of disturbance over what's gonna be watched on TV, what do I do? I take the remote and I say, guess what? I win today. We like to win, But what happens in all the arguments and the chaos, we know that's normal to life, but things get said. People get hurt. People get upset. Things get done that hurt. And this is just in 
our little family. It's something that we all deal with. It's a cycle of our world. And so you hear things like this. She always gets her way. You never side with me. You don't care about me. And then the line that we always know, or always hear, it's not fair, right? It's not fair. Well, what's the interpretation of that? She or he's winning, I'm losing, and I don't like it. Um, hey, we, we all uh, end up into this cycle. Uh, I'm the same way. I mean, uh, Candace and I, from time to time, we have discussions. And we were having an argument recently, and it was one of those, um, one of those really just ridiculous arguments over nothing. We were looking for a place to park. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but we're starting to argue, and she said something that set me off. So I went off. And there I am, you know, I'm whatever I'm saying to her, and I end it by saying, you are such an idiot. Yeah, you're like, wow, I'm really proud of my pastor. Yeah. He's really a great guy. So, and I, so I say it, and my, if you know my wife, Candace, she's far from an idiot. She's smarter than I am. But I was convinced in that moment she was an idiot. Now, the thing is, there's my daughter in the back seat listening to all of this. And guess what? She's crying. Who's the idiot? Here, look at this. Sometimes the first step to forgiveness is understanding that the other person is a complete idiot. Now that's, if you take nothing away today, that's, that's a really good thought. You know what it was? It was my pride. I didn't want to lose the argument. And it's not just that. It happens over and over again. I'm a sinful, broken person. But what happens as we do these kinds of things, there's damage, right? We hurt people over time. And it's simply because we want to win. So here's the question today. The question isn't, do we sin against each other? Do we hurt each other? That's a given. It's guaranteed. Um, It it may happen this afternoon in your house. It may happen this week. It, It happens. The real question is, are we going to pursue forgiveness? Are we going to be willing to lay our pride aside and ask for for forgiveness, to seek forgiveness? And that's where it gets so hard. Because you know it as well as I do. Taking the step of saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, is hard because we've got to lay our own pride down. But here's the reality. We have to pursue that because we live in a world of hurt and many of us, we've been hurt deeply. We've been damaged and we've damaged other people, right? I mean, some of you, you've, you've had such horrific experiences where people have abused you or sinned against you and hurt you in such deep ways. I don't wanna make light of that. That's real pain, And if we could somehow weigh or measure the amount of pain that's in this room, in this moment, the way we've been hurt in this life, it'd be heavy. 
I mean, you can almost sense it in the air. It would be so heavy. And yet you and I, um, we try to carry some of these burdens around. And the thing is, we can't. We've got to do something with these heavy loads. We can't carry them on our own. And so I have uh, an, an, an opportunity for you to participate with us today. You have a card on your seat. And as we go through the, the service today, this is an opportunity. There's, uh, there's a few pens in the rows. Maybe you have a, a pen or something to write with. If you don't have anything to write with and, um, and it's even painful for you to put something on paper, just use your finger. God knows what you're putting down. Um, but the ways that you've been hurt, the ways that you've been sinned against, maybe a, a person that you're in conflict with or has hurt you, or your own sins against other people that you know you need to let go. And what, I mean, here's the thing. We've got all these different, uh, you know, we, we start out the sentence. She lied to me. He cheated on me. She stole from me. She left us. She abandoned us. He humiliated me. We could start filling in all the blanks with many, many other things. Little things, big things. Things that compile on each other. But ultimately, we need to put them on paper so they don't control us. And we'll get into that as we go. Now listen to this text. From the scripture, we've been in Ephesians chapter four. This is the apostle Paul teaching the church. And he has some words for us today. Remember, kind of the overview is talking about the unity of God's people. That we've got to come together around Christ. And that means we change. God doesn't want us to stay in our pattern that's natural to us. He wants us to start a new way of life. To put on the new to get rid of the old, to set it aside. Here's what he says in Ephesians 4. And these are uh, powerful um, and hard words for us. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And the, the, the sense of that text is you're actually sharing words that other people need to hear for their benefit. It's what they need not what you need. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Just let that set, set in for a moment. Powerful words and a new reality that God wants you and he wants me to experience today. So how do we define forgiveness? Well, here's a, a, a biblical a definition. Forgiveness means to pardon, to cancel the debt, to wipe the slate clean. It's a big deal. Um, that's what God does for us, and that's what we're to ba basically be involved in, beginning to give to others. Now, here's what we know about sin. 
Sin is costly. And there's a cost to your sin and my sin. And it's costly to forgive because we have to give something up. We give up money, we give up you know, psychological pain, we give up physical, we give all kinds of things up. It's costly when we deal with forgiveness. And we often try to make light of it, don't we? I mean, think about it. If, especially if it's our sin, we try to make light of it. Um, it reminds me of uh, the little joke. There's a pastor who's driving downtown and he's looking for a parking spot. He's got an appointment, he's, he's running late, and he can't find anything. And so he finds a no parking zone. He parks in that spot and he writes a note, puts it on the, the windshield wiper, and it says, Officer, I've been dry, I was driving around the block 10 times. I couldn't find a spot. I didn't want to miss my appointment. Please forgive the, you know, my trespasses. So, uh, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's what it said on the note. So he returns back after his appointment, and there is another uh, note along with a citation on his windshield. And the officer said this. He said, I've been driving around this block for the last 10 years. If I don't write you a ticket, I lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. (laughs) It's easy to make light of our sin. But it's the central thing in our faith is dealing with what we do and what others have done to us because otherwise nothing can change. So when we pursue forgiveness, we're pursuing an understanding of God and ourselves. I mean, that's what we find. That's what we need to kind of get our hands wrapped around is understanding ourselves and understanding God, right? Because he wants us to be new. That's what Paul is talking about in the text. There's plenty of the old. We're familiar with the old. That's familiar with us, to us. That's natural to us. But he says, I want you to experience a new way of life. And the only way you can do that is get to know what I'm like. Now, here's, here's something that you and all have to, or we have to understand as we look at ourselves. We're gonna talk about ourselves and we're gonna talk about God. So we all know this about ourselves. We have feelings and we have thoughts and ultimately those feelings and thoughts lead to actions, right? We deal with this on a daily basis. Uh, Feelings, our thoughts, and our actions. Now, um, we feel hurt and offense. Is that a bad thing? No, we're human beings. Um, Sometimes, often, we feel hurt. We feel offended. We feel taken advantage of. And I mean, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes we have a good perspective on it. Sometimes we're reading into things and we're making up something that really wasn't intended or meant. But we know that we have this process of feelings and thoughts and actions. Now, here's the thing. We've got to understand this about ourselves is we need God's help because when we only deal with our own stuff and have our own framework for our feelings, we kind of get ourselves into trouble, don't we? Because we have different ways of dealing with people related to our feelings because those feelings lead to thoughts and ultimately actions. Now, there are kind of different ways that we act, but it all starts with our feelings. So uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you have a really bad temper. Okay, and so what happens is uh, you know, somebody wrongs you, your pride kind of wells up, 
And those feelings go into thoughts. And ultimately, where do those thoughts come out? Into actions. And you go into an absolute rage. You become a rage monster. There's a few of us in here, right? So it just, all of a sudden, I mean, it may happen in an instant or it may just kind of well up inside of you. Um, you're like the Hulk. It says at the bottom of the screen, I hate everything. I hate everyone. And you start causing damage all around you. Now, when that happens, and this is like one side, and we'll talk about the other in a moment, but when that happens, what do people do? They hide from you. They want to get away from you. Sometimes, if they're familiar enough with it, they just kind of stand there and say, are you done now? And usually your spouse, are you done? Okay, can we move on? But that's a pattern. It's an unhealth, unhealthy pattern that some of us are very familiar with. Now, on the other side is the person who gives the silent treatment. They say nothing. Now, I, I like this little slide here, the silent treatment. It's actually how most men like it. Now, I'm not putting this... Oh, I love... Look at this face over here on the how. I'm not putting that on women. Men, men do it as well. But these are the two sides of the spectrum where our feelings lead our thoughts to actions. And there's all kinds of stuff in between where we manipulate, where we intimidate, where... Um, you know, we slander, we gossip, we do all kinds of things that create more pain. And we have to recognize that's, that's a part of us. And God wants to change that process of what happens inside of us. Because the feelings are real, but what we do with the feelings, God says, there's a better way. Because here's what happens, and we end up saying these things, we end up, um, you know, kind of through our actions, we demonstrate the, this, these, uh, you know, phrases to other people, but we end up saying stuff like this, you owe me, you'll pay for what you did, I'm done with you, and ultimately, we're saying to ourselves, I have to win. But it's not about winning. Grace and forgiveness gives us something so much better. And what's hard is that sin is costly and there's lots of pain. And you have pain and I have pain. But we've got to let go of it. We can't try to hold on to it so we control other people or control how other people respond to us. Ultimately, we've got to let it Go if we're going to grow in our relationship with God, if we're going to be more like Jesus and understand how He wants us to live. Okay, so uh, that's really the only way out of this, this process or cycle we get caught in is understanding the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us in Christ. Because that's the very center of forgiveness and grace is what God has done for us. The step that he has taken toward us. Jesus came into the world for this very purpose to bring life and grace and forgiveness. Now, here's a, here's a parable that Jesus told that I think is really, it, it paints a, a powerful picture about us and about God. And it's something that we have to grab and kind of grasp and connect with if we're going to understand God's grace and what it means for us to give grace or to give forgiveness. 
All right, so uh, Matthew 18. What's interesting here is in this uh, section, in Matthew 18, it begins with the disciples. They're having an argument about who's the greatest. And Jesus says, um, you guys completely have this wrong. It's not about who's the greatest, who wins. It's about this. And he starts telling some stories, and he goes to this parable. And here's what Peter says. He asks Jesus a question first. He says this. Jesus, now, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So here, let's think about Peter for a moment. Um, he understands the Jewish mindset. And in his background, if you were to forgive somebody three times, then you were done, according to the law. You could move on. And so Peter's like, Lord, should I forgive somebody seven times? I mean, times two plus one. I got this thing down. I'm such a good follower of Jesus. And then Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. And I'm sure Peter starts calculating, okay, 490. Hmm, that is a lot. Jesus meant there isn't a limit. It's a really big number. It's an infinite amount. And then he goes on to to tell this story, this parable. He says, there's this, there's this king. And the king comes back uh, to his region and he's gonna settle accounts with some of his servants, some of his account representatives. And they had responsibility for collecting money and taxes and that sort of thing. And there's this uh, one servant who owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, we see that number and we're like, well, that sounds like a lot. That was like, Billions of dollars. I mean, so as Jesus is telling this parable, the audience is hearing him, and this servant owes this massive amount that they know. There's no way this servant can pay that back. And so the king calls the servant in, and the servant uh, you know, says, you know, I, I, I can't pay it. And the king says, all right, well, I want him sold. I want his wife sold, his kids sold, everything he owns, sell it, and we'll call it good. And so he falls, the servant falls down on his knees and he begs for mercy, he pleads, he says, I, I will, I'll work the rest of my life, I'll try to pay this back, please have mercy on me and my family. And the king had mercy on him. The king says, all right, um, I'll forgive all your debt, I'll cancel it all, you're free to go, go back to your family. And then this servant heads on out I mean, this amazing thing happens to him. Heads on out, he finds another servant who owes him money, like a couple thousand bucks, comparatively. And he grabs the servant by the throat, and he says, pay me my money now, or I'll hand you over to the authorities. And so this servant falls and says, I don't have the money right now. Just give me some time, and I promise I'll, I'll pay back every penny. And he says, absolutely not. Gives him over to the authorities and has him put in prison. And so some other servants saw what happened and they go back to the king. And they say, king, this, this servant that you just forgave this massive amount, he went out and was brutal with somebody who owed him a little amount. And the king was enraged and he called that servant back in. And he said, take this man away to be tortured until he pays back the full amount. So remember, this is a story, a parable that Jesus told. 
Here's how he ends that parable. He says, that's why, or that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's heavy. How about a little more tension? Jesus, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, as he taught, you know, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, talked about, you know, forgiving our sins and forgiving those who sin against us. At the very end of that prayer, here's what Jesus says. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So we sit here and we wonder, what, is that, what does that mean for us? Well, before I answer that question, the main point of the story, that story that Jesus was telling is that you and I were the servant with the great debt. We have a debt that we can't possibly pay before God. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus meets each one of us no matter what our experience in life has been, he meets each one of us and says, I'm going to the cross. I'm paying for all of your sin, all of your debt. I'm wiping the slate clean. I'm pardoning you. You're forgiven. Now come close to God. That's where Jesus says, it's finished. It's once for all, past, present, future sin. This is why I came. And as you look to me, as you put your faith in me, you are right with God. But we're that servant. And what has to happen in us then is something needs to change as we look toward the people who have hurt and offended us. This is what God does for us. Whatever, whatever our offenses, he wipes it clean. Gone. Jesus took care of it all. And that's what we're supposed to do as we live by faith. Now, we don't do it like God does, but you and I are to be transformed. We're to be made new, where we begin to give away what we've received. Now, what's Jesus talking about here? He's saying that, you know, my heavenly Father will do this kind of stuff to you if you don't forgive, where he says, forgive those who sin against you, um, just as you know, the Father's forgiven you, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Does that mean that God is conditional with us? No, it just shows how important it is for us to get grace and our need for grace. And when we get it, when it becomes a part of us, we're to share it. Um, now think about this for a moment. This is how God sees you in Christ. This can change not our feelings, right? Our feelings are our feelings. They're raw. But it changes our thoughts. 
and then our actions. Because Jesus says, I'm showing you a model of how to live. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You and I, as we begin this, this perspective of following Christ, we move from our feelings, their real feelings, but we say, God, I need your help to forgive. And I need your help to act toward this person in a, in a loving way, to pray for them, to even show them goodness and kindness and love. And you know what? We can't do that on our own. God's the only one who can do that through us. And that's the very heart of the gospel, is Jesus comes to give us what we can't get for ourselves, what we can't do for ourselves, what we can't share with others on our own. Jesus gives it, fills us so that we can begin to share it and to help others. Listen to this from Colossians chapter three. Since God chose you to be the, the holy, set-apart people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Here's what Martin Luther King said. He said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude, which is consistent with what Jesus is saying. It's not how we feel, but as we look to Jesus, our thoughts, okay, our thoughts are different. Our attitude is different. Our actions then can be different. And here's the thing. And we all feel winning and we feel lots of loss in life. And what Jesus is telling us this morning is that as you receive forgiveness and then give forgiveness away, it's not about losing. It's not about winning. It's about God doing something powerful in us where it's not weakness what we do, it's strength. In fact, it's the most powerful, most courageous thing that you and I can do to forgive another person. To ask God for the strength, the power to release whatever's holding us and forgive. 